Welcome to the Dell EMC Energy Power Chat podcast series, where you hear from the experts about energy IT transformation. Hello, everyone. Bruce Hall here, and welcome to another Dell EMC Energy Power Chat. And today we're going to talk about security within the energy sector. And our two special guests are Mr. Julian Alfred, who's responsible for sales enablement within Dell's Global Energy Program, and Mr. Stefan Voss, who's a director of product management within our data protection division and the founder of Dell's cyber recovery practice. Julian and Stefan, how are you guys doing today? Very well, Bruce. Looking forward to this. Doing great. Thank you, Bruce. Could we start with a little bit of your backgrounds? And Stefan, why don't we start with you? Thanks, Bruce. My name is Stefan Voss. I'm the founder of the Dell Technology Cyber Recovery Practice and basically now leading a variety of security-related products in our data protection division in a product owner, product management capability. And Julian? I've been in IT for over 30 years, spanning a series of disciplines from application development to analytics across many verticals. And more recently at Dell Technologies, I've spent about four years focusing on the energy sector, primarily uh, on oil and gas. Now, my role in the energy program team is to help translate the power of the Dell Technologies product portfolio into value messages that are easily understood by the oil and gas industry. Now, this means working with our energy chief technology officer, our oil and gas domain experts, industry partners, and of course, customers to match work streams and workloads to the appropriate combination of technologies in order to deliver meaningful solutions to the industry. And this approach is working really well. For example, uh, we've had tremendous success in creating and delivering upstream data management solutions to help companies maximize the value of seismic and well data. And we're also successful in helping companies provision compute resources to drive agile interpretation and modeling processes and other analytics workloads efficiently. Apart from things like cloud compute, now, we recognize that security runs right across just about every work stream in oil and gas, and it has become even more important as we digitize and automate the industry at an increasing pace. Thanks, Julian. And that's a great segue into our first question. What are the evolving security threats that the energy sector is facing? And Stefan, why don't we start with you? One thing that we see is generically just the sheer volume of attacks just not standing still. And there's some interesting stats out there in the public domain. ExxonMobil reportedly blocks over 60 million emails and close to 140 million internet access attempts. But, you know, the sophistication of the attacks is increasing. We know that over 80% of the attacks are financially motivated. So we're looking at organized crime. New patterns actually include also partnerships between nation states and criminal actors. So this is straight from our SecureWorks counter threat unit. So there's interesting patterns and partnerships uh, in the dark net, if you will. And that's concerning because it means that we basically have very sophisticated tools in the hands of organized criminals. So that's concerning. For oil and gas specifically, some of the things that we've seen is that the attackers have actually proven adept at getting around logical separation, including some level of air gapping. And they're not only infiltrating IT systems, but they're going after operations technology like SCADA environments. And that's, of course, very concerning. So the problem still remains, other than that, that we don't have enough people to actually deal with these threats. There's a lot of noise, and, uh, and we know that there's use of artificial intelligence, but that can help you reduce the noise, but you still need to deal with the stuff that's outside of the noise in terms of remediation, detection. So that's definitely a continued challenge. And then oftentimes, we still don't have enough board-level buy-in to properly fund cybersecurity-related investments. 
In other words, the financial impact, believe it or not, is these types of attacks or breaches is still not fully examined. So this is from EY. And as a result, 63% would not increase their cybersecurity-related spending, even after experiencing a, a breach that in their eyes didn't appear to do any harm. And that's certainly concerning. So we're looking at an increase in sophistication, different attack vectors met with the same skills shortage, and still somewhat of a lack of willingness to invest in some of the remediation. Very interesting, Stefan. It's the first time I've heard the phrase organized crime used to describe this threat. Turning to you, Julian, can you tell us about the evolving security threats more specifically within the oil and gas industry? So to really understand the evolving threats to oil and gas companies, it's interesting to first look at the backdrop to what oil and gas companies are doing day to day. So broadly four things. Number one, in an effort to reduce NPT, so non-productive time, and to keep operations safe while also maximizing production, the oil and gas industry continues to roll out sensor technology and data collection systems in the field to help drive predictive analytics, to optimize machine maintenance and workforce logistics. And secondly, oil and gas companies are attempting to monitor drilling operations in real time to ensure safe operations and to keep drill bits, if you will, moving towards the best possible entry point into hydrocarbon reservoirs in order to maximize production and recovery. And then the third thing is where possible, rail and road transport operations are being replaced by pipelines with sophisticated SCADA, SCADA the supervisory control and data acquisition systems to move raw hydrocarbons from field to tank to refinery complete with leak detection systems. And then the fourth thing is that executive and field management personnel alike need to be confident that the data coming out of their information systems is consolidated, it's uh, comprehensive, it's up to date and can be trusted so that they can make better decisions faster. Now for all four of these things to deliver value, Systems and people need to be constantly connected, and this is leading to hyperconnectivity, which unfortunately sets a stage with multiple access points from which cyber attacks can be initiated. So it's no longer just about protecting core centralized data centers. It's also about protecting endpoints as well. And these range from sensors and field-oriented computer systems in fixed structures such as oil rigs and pumps, and also in vehicular equipment right the way through to mobile devices carried by the workforce, ruggedized laptops, tablets, and personal trackers. So in the past, oil and gas companies' high-value data assets were sitting in some nice air-conditioned room in a small number of locations. But with today's hyper-connected world, their high-value data assets are everywhere. And in many cases, they're actually moving. So like the workforce and vehicles, for example. So these things, when brought together, are shaping the evolving threat from cyber attacks. So oil and gas companies need to adjust to this sort of fragmented way in which operations are being run today. Julian, how do the threats you guys have described present themselves to energy companies from edge to core to cloud, and what impact could affected partners have? Security threats may often not present themselves at all, as in the case of data theft, where unauthorized access to systems has taken place. So in that scenario, the incident isn't overtly malicious, but the data copied could be vital competitive information, in other words, industrial espionage, or it could be intelligence gathering as a precursor to something far more dangerous. Now, there is also a class of viruses that can infect control systems and pumps, valves, and other machinery, and alter operating parameters to create unsafe conditions, while at the same time sending system-safe 
status messages to operators. So you can imagine it could be quite some time before someone realizes that something is wrong. Now, ultimately, it's possible with the right cyber tools to also disable the screens used by operations monitoring staff on an oil rig, for example. Now, this, together with the viruses, presents a serious situation where something the size of the Macondo or Deepwater Horizon accidents could be triggered deliberately by cyber terrorists, yet made to appear at least for a while anyway as an accident. But cyber threats don't need to be this dramatic to be dangerous or chronically disruptive. I mean, someone, for example, could alter data from field devices and tank management systems in ERP applications to fake data about oil and gas inventories. Now, this is oil market fraud. And companies could end up facing hefty fines for something they did not in fact perpetrate. You know, it was done by a hacker. Now, this could still lead to long-term damage to the company's reputation, even if they are later cleared, because there will always be the lingering question of trust. Are they really protected? And this sort of thing feeds all the way through the supply chain, because if you are working with partners that are supplying equipment and they're supplying personnel and they get breached, then it is also going to compromise the way you are actually going to be able to run your operations. Now, another example of a cyber threat that can lead to a lot of disruption is where end users are locked out of key equipment or data in exchange for financial payment. I think Stefan also alluded to that. It could be in exchange for industrial or political action also. And this kind of thing is ransomware. Now, it's very simple, but it's also highly um, disruptive. And then one final example is where important operational and strategic development plans, financial accounting, and human resources information could simply be deleted to weaken business operations. And you can imagine how that can also affect your supply chain. I mean, it could be highly disruptive, even if good backup systems are in place, because the moment information that you are relying on for day-to-day, hour-to-hour, minute-to-minute operations suddenly disappears, that's going to have an impact. And it doesn't matter how great your backup and recovery systems are, it's going to have some impact. Thanks, Julian. Stefan, do you have anything to add on the cyber recovery front? I mean, the way I look at it is, since you ask how do they present themselves, what I did want to cover is also sometimes how do the breaches occur? Some of the challenges are because, you know, we're looking at IoT, operational technology, in addition to IT, right, uh, is more points of exposure, a disappearing perimeter, which makes it increasingly hard to really kind of track these as they come in. I just wanted to highlight two, right? One is, for example, the business email compromise. You know, we got to understand that the level of sophistication has gone up dramatically. And there's an 80% correlation between a business email compromise and then ransomware, which is the triggered action downstream. You know, it's no longer that you're going to get the obvious email where the prince of Saudi Arabia will share his personal wealth and then you're going to click on the wrong link. I've heard of stories where basically the payload is embedded in the HR system in a red resume of candidates you're interviewing. They're very stealthy. It's very easy to download the payload and then trigger the downstream action. Since you touched on supply side, it's very real. We had the NotPetya, a very good example, where basically 60 plus companies around the world, including oil and gas, became part of collateral damage. So product security is the number one priority for Dell for that reason. So those are just some of the attack vectors or entry points really to keep in mind. And again, I still have to have the people to monitor all these signals and so forth. Then in terms of the downstream, how do they present themselves? You know, I just wanted to build on ransomware may sound trivial, but what's happening is very effective at going after foundation services, Active Directory, and some of the fundamentals of your IT infrastructure, which essentially will not allow you to run any of the applications. And that's been a real problem, obviously, as evidenced by these attacks. 
that's basically evolved to also, we see ransomware variants that are actually going after backups. So now actually the criminal actors combined with the nation state actors, if they partner, will go after your recovery architecture just to increase their likelihood to extort money or pursue essentially their motive. So we definitely see it's sort of an evolution of the downstream impacts of once the payload get, makes it into the network. This concludes part one of our podcast. Check back for part two, where Stefan and Julian will take us through assessing risk, forming a plan, Dell tools that can help, examples of companies that have tackled the security problem within energy, where to find more information, and final thoughts.